welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube channel, based on a podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And this week, I know I said we would be joined by Aaron White from Feelin' Film. Uh, that's not the case. He only had one night where he could record this episode, uh, but he ended up being really sick. So, uh, uh, Aaron, I hope you're feeling better. Um, and we'll get you on soon-ish. I know you're really busy. Um, but we are joined by another uh, contributor to Feel and Film and one of the Feel and Film Group's most active members, Jeremy Calcara. Hello. Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, Jeremy, this is your first time on the podcast, but it's technically your second time on the podcast. Yeah, I'm there in the future. Yeah. So Jeremy and I recorded an episode on Brightburn that you will hear when that movie releases on home video because we waited kind of a while to record it. And also, I think more people will see it on home video. Um, so Jeremy is here to talk about Dark Phoenix, uh, which is another superhero movie. It is the uh, final Fox produced X-Men movie before um, they are cannibalized by Disney um, and the MCU for their own personal gain in the House of Mouse. So uh, before we do that, for two reasons one because dark phoenix isn't like a good movie and also because no one saw it we're going to do something that we haven't done in four or five years on the podcast uh it was something we tried early in the early 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 days of the show um not with this specific game but uh jeremy and i are going to play a movie themed game uh in the past we did a game called Double Feature that I don't even remember the rules to. And uh, yeah, so Jeremy, tell us about the game we're going to be playing tonight. Okay, this game is called Cinephile. And I was a Kickstarter backer person thing on this about like, it seems like, I think it was 18 months ago. And I just got it in the mail today. It's a game that comes with 150 cards that have just all sorts of um, celebrities on it with sort of famous drawings of them from different movies they've been in. And there's about five or six different ways that you can play the game by, you know, something as simple as slapping these cards down and doing like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon sort of thing or uh, what we're going to do here. So if you're interested, it's a beautiful game and it's at, you can look at cinephilegame.com. Yeah. Cool. So this okay. is its maiden voyage. All right, so what version of the game are we playing tonight? Today we're going to play a version that's called Movie and Actor, and so I am going to flip over a card. I'm going to read to MJ who the actor is and what the picture, what movie the picture on the card is from, and he's going to name another actor in that movie. And then I'm going to name a movie that the actor he names has been in and then he's going to name an actor, so on and so forth, until one of us can't. So, yeah, and the first, what, first one to three wins? Yeah, we'll do first to three. Okay. So, Jeremy, I trust you're keeping score. Um, sure. Because you have the cards in front of you. Yes. Um, so, okay. Who are we going with? Our first card is Rachel McAdams in About Time. Oh, no. Uh, I didn't see that movie, and I don't remember who was in it. This is going to be a fast three if it's going to be like this. Uh, 
Is Bill Nighy in that movie? Bill Nighy is in that movie. Is he really? He is. He is. And uh, it's a great movie. You should see that movie. Bill Nighy is also in Detective Pikachu. Oh, that's true. He is. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, I'll go Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, who is also in The Proposal. Mm -hmm. With Sandra Bullock. Who is also in The Net. Ooh. Ooh, I never saw the net. I couldn't even tell you who else is in the net. (laughs) You win by default, I think. Uh, I wanted to say Samuel L. Jackson, but I felt like that was just because he was in every 90s action movie starring a lady, I feel like. Yeah, and I don't believe that's the case. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Jeremy Northam is the second name that I've run across. Yeah, it wasn't very many cool people. Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller's in it. All right. Wow. All right. So I win that one? Yep. All right. So I'll go first this one. So that way I have to name the movie and you have to name the actor, right? Okay. okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, this card, we have Meryl Streep in Sophie's Choice. And I have not seen Sophie's Choice. I do not know who was in Sophie's Choice. I also do not know who was in Sophie's Choice, so do you want to call that a draw into another card? Sounds good to me. We've got Dennis Hopper and Blue Velvet. I have not seen Blue Velvet, but I do believe that Kyle McLaughlin is in Blue Velvet. I think you're right. Maybe. You know what? I'll go with Laura Dern. I know that she's in Blue Velvet. Okay. Uh, I'll go with um, Jurassic Park. Okay. Jurassic Park. Samuel L. Jackson is in Jurassic Park. Okay. Uh, Shaft. Oh, snap. I don't remember anybody except for uh, Samuel L. Jackson in Shaft. Oh. So there, you win that one. Yep, Christian Bale is the villain in Shaft. Okay, I don't know if I've seen that. It's I've ridiculous. S- I've seen the 70s. I mean, I, I've seen the 70s one, mm. but okay. Well, it's one-to-one. All right. Your turn. Yep. Gina Rollins and Gloria. I have never heard of that movie. I have also never heard of that movie. We will call that, that one what, a draw. Uh, is Richard Gere in that <laughs> movie? Now I need to find out. I feel like I have uh, I, this, this idea in my head of what the cover of that movie looks like. And I don't think that's it. No, it's not. Oh, uh, okay. well. Okay. Gina Rowland's Buck Henry. Yeah, nope. nobody have Tom Noonan plays second man gangster so you could have gone with last action hero sure Um, but anyway okay i'll flip over another one all right steve buscemi and billy madison oh uh so i have to name another movie with steve buscemi in it or another actor in another actor from billy madison okay uh rob schneider Rob Schneider was also in 
the hot chick. Mm-hmm. And oh, is what's her name in it? Um, nope. Uh, I think you got me in one that came back to bite me. I'm thinking of, and I don't remember her name. She's Jack Bauer's daughter, and she was in The Girl Next Door, not The Hot Chick. Jack Bauer's daughter is Alicia Cuthbert. Yep. Um, No, she's not in that movie. Okay. But both Rachel McAdams and Anna Faris were, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so... I got two. You've got one. This time, I'll name the other actor in the movie. Okay. Um, Robert Redford and Three Days of the Condor. Man, I just watched that. I don't know anybody else's name in that movie. So, I, I would also s- do not know who else is in that movie because I've owned it for two years and haven't seen it. It is very, very good. And it has lots of people in it that you're like, oh, that's the guy from The Thing, but I don't know their name. Yeah, a lot of character actors. Yes, yes. Here's another one. I don't know anybody else in this movie besides Robert De Niro and The King of Comedy. Oh. I've never seen that one. Oh, it's super good. Uh, I would say watch it before Joker. Okay. Um, so if you can name someone in the movie, you win. Okay, yeah, uh, Jerry Lewis. Okay, so it's two to two. This, All right, this is for the win. All right. So this one I will name the actress in the movie, and you'll name somebody else that's in the movie. Okay. Kate Blanchett in Carol. Oh, no. I get Carol and Brooklyn mixed up so much. <laughs> and I want to say Saoirse Ronan, but I think she's in Brooklyn. And I don't know who else is in Carol. Well, I don't know who else is in Carol either. So, <laughs> okay. Looks like that one's a draw. I want to see, I get that one and the Danish girl mixed up. So, mm. I, uh, yeah, Sir Sharonin is in Brooklyn. So, okay. okay. Jennifer Lawrence in Mother. Oh, uh, Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem was in. Skyfall. That's the one I'm thinking of. Skyfall. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes is in Hail Caesar. Oh, gosh. Uh, Tilda Swinton. Is in Doctor Strange. Okay. Um, Chiwetelogia 4. Is in... Come Sunday. Oh, who else is in that movie? I watched it. It's pretty good. Ah. Uh, good pull. <laughs> is. Uh, nope, that's first reformed. Um, Danny Glover isn't in that movie, is he? I don't think so. He's not one of the three other people I remember. Okay. 
I was gonna say Cedric the Entertainer, but then I remembered he was the pastor. Oh, and... he is in it. He is in it. Danny Glover is in it. Yes, you got oh, it. I was thinking. Awesome. I remember Martin Sheen and Jason Segel were the two I remembered. <laughs> okay, so Danny Glover was in. Sorry to bother you. Okay. Uh, oh, David Cross. David Cross, the guy from Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. I just watched a movie with him in it today. He was in Men in Black. Which one? He was actually in one and two. He's in the first one? Yeah, he's what's her name's assistant and kind of gets plastered to the ceiling with that goo. Okay, I was, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I thought he died, so I was very surprised watching one and two back to back when he showed up. Um, yeah. Wow, I don't remember store. Yeah, I would go with her, but I don't remember her name. Um, so I'll just go. Uh, oh, I'll go Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub is in a lot of TV shows. Uh-huh. Um, uh, why can't I can't think? I could think of ten TV shows he's in right off the top of my head, but movies. Um. Dang it. Yeah, I got nothing. You win. Is it it Linda Fiorentino? It's Linda Fiorentino, yeah. Okay. All right, you won. There you go. Three three to two. It's a fun game. Check it out. Yeah, that was super fun. (laughs) Um, I'm glad we got to play that because I don't get to play movie games with anyone ever. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, with you on Facebook will be 99.7% of the times I ever play this game. Yeah, I'm down. We might. I kind of want to do like a segment of this, <laughs> like kind of regularly. Um, yeah. I think that would be super fun. Uh, so, yeah, that's Cinephile. Uh, do you want to give them the website one more time? Yeah, it's cinephilegame.com. C-I-N-E-P-H-I-L-E game. Dot com. Cool. Uh, so check that out. Um, and it looks for... like it's 20 bucks. Oh, that's not bad at all. No. Especially for like the different ways to put because you were saying there's like a headbands type thing where like like yeah. the, like the game from Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. And you can either guess the movie that's on your card or the actor. Plus, there's all sorts of expansion packs like. Oh, cool. Scream Queens and Funny People, Rising Stars. And like this was printed like six weeks ago. So we're talking like really recent people are on these cards. So yeah. Yeah. As well uh, as Gina Rollins, obviously and stuff like that. So yeah. Cause I know you, one of the ones you sent me had like uh ex machina in it. Yeah. And Alicia Vikander. Yeah. Um, cool. So check that out. Uh, if you have a movie night or I think it'd be great to play it like an Oscar party. If you yeah. do that, um, which, uh, you know, is in February this year, the earliest it's ever been. Um, not this year, next year. You know what I mean? Yeah. The ones for this year will be like February 9th or something. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, like right after the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Dark Phoenix, which is the, ooh, is it the 12th film in the X-Men universe? Am I right about that? Um, um, three, six, seven, and X Men proper plus three, 
Wolverine and two Deadpool. Twelve. Okay. Yep. Okay. Cool. Um, it's the twelfth film in the twentieth uh, century Fox X Men franchise. It is the conclusion of all of them technically, um, but mainly this sort of first class arc that the last four, including Dark Phoenix, have been about. So starting with First Class and then Days of Future Past and then um, Apocalypse and now Dark Phoenix uh, follows the story of uh, Jean Grey as she is imbued with a mysterious force from space and there is a race of aliens who are looking to extract the Phoenix Force as it's known, but not in this movie for some reason uh, from her. And she can't stop hurting the people she loves because of how powerful this force is. And she gets uh, she gets real hurty when she gets uh, too emotional or angry mm-hmm. or overwhelmed. Um, while all that is happening, um, Professor X is dealing with accepting the fact that he's failed in certain aspects of his journey um, to creating and sustaining the X-Men at the cost of lives at certain spots. Um, And then sort it's sort of all the X-Men kind of calling him out on the things that he should have been called out on a long time ago. Um, And then Magneto is running a mutant commune and gets pulled into it for contractual reasons about how many (laughs) movies he was signed on to. Um, And uh, opposite that, uh, the main thrust of the story is that in one of her fits of being overwhelmed, um, Jean Grey kills Mystique. Um, And so now... Specifically, Magneto and Hank McCoy, uh, a.k.a. Beast, seek to avenge Raven's death, and the rest of the X-Men have to stop them because it's not what Raven would have wanted, and also they're facing a much greater threat in the aliens who are looking to extract the Phoenix Force from Jean. And it's kind of the journey to that. Um, Not a lot going on in this movie, really mm-hmm. um so jeremy what did you think about dark phoenix um i thought it sucked <laughs> um you know i i don't i wasn't so i'm usually like a go thursday night sort of guy when it comes to like the big superhero movies mm-hmm. i want to go before i hear what everybody's saying but this is one where i was like you know what maybe if i hear everybody say it sucks then i'll go in thinking oh this is going to suck and be pleasantly surprised so i did go in thinking it was going to suck and i was not pleasantly surprised i think there's a lot of interesting storytelling from what i've read about the dark phoenix saga but they managed to tell the story like in a manner of like Ben Stein's teacher character from Ferris Bueller day off, sort of just sort of telling a story to get through it. It was just told in the least interesting way possible. Um, If you have any knowledge of the greater X-Men universe at large, as far as the movies go, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. A lot of what happened, uh, 
the acting was uh, at least from uh, what's her name, Sansa. I, I don't, Sophie Turner. I don't, Sophie Turner was absolutely among the worst acting in a superhero movie I've ever seen. Um, I'm just thinking back to like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Batman and Robin, or uh, is it Wes Bentley as Blackheart in Ghost Rider? Just like all time mm. bad, bad, bad acting. And I, I texted a friend afterwards that I thought that, uh, that Sophie Turner's acting career after game of thrones might not be very long after people see this movie but lucky for her nobody saw the movie so <laughs> it's true so i think i liked it a little bit more than you did but i yeah. really need to put some emphasis on the a little bit part mm -hmm. um i actually didn't hate it the way a lot of people did it's not a good movie i don't want you to get that impression and you certainly probably should not see it um, no. but there were parts of it that I liked the parts of that were not greater than the sum of its parts, but there were parts of it. There were like pockets of the movie that I could kind of live in that were, uh, you know, fresh air in the rank pile of garbage surrounding it. So yeah, like Michael, Michael Fassbender is always great, even though yep. he's contractually obligated to be there. You know what? So was Jennifer Lawrence and she just mailed it in, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, Fassbender did. absolutely did not mail it in. And he's great. So James McAvoy, I think has a little bit more enthusiasm for playing the character, but, mm -hmm. uh, he, um, as far as just interviews and that sort of thing go, but uh, and he was he was good as well. But yeah, so I guess if I'm if there are bright spots, that's why I didn't want to say like the acting as a whole was bad because uh, you know in every one of these movies, Fastbender especially has brought it. Yes, uh, Fastbender continues to be the best part of these first class um, series of films. Uh, it, and James McAvoy, like you said, is is pretty good, too. I liked both of their arcs a lot. I liked all the themes surrounding them. What I didn't like is that this isn't their story. Yeah, it's supposed to be Jean Grey's story. And so as a result, it should be kind of mainly about Jean, first of all, and uh, her relationship with cyclops and cyclops kind of reacting to that um and you know what having to deal with his partner having this sure um and her friendship with raven apparently which i don't remember from the other ones they set them up as like besties in this movie and i don't remember the other ones well enough to know if that's the case you know, I just watched Apocalypse last week, and it seemed that's when Sophie Turner first showed up. Mm -hmm. And in that one, there was something that happened, and I've already forgotten that sort of made Mystique like this hero of mutants and somebody mm -hmm. that people looked up to. So there was that sort of relationship. And when Apocalypse kidnapped or whatever you when you call abducted uh, Professor X. And they had to lead a charge over to wherever they were to do the thing. Um, you know, she Mystique was the leader. So, I, th you know, was there anything special about their bond then? No, but um, I guess there are little seeds, I suppose. 
Okay, so seemingly out of nowhere, this best friend relationship she has with her. Um, all that to be said, this is the maybe the most perfunctory movie I've ever seen. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like it exists solely because it has to to fulfill a contract that the actor signed and a contract that the rights holders had with the studio. And that's all. Um, It is, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's told in the least interesting way possible. Mm -hmm. There are no stakes in this movie whatsoever because every move of it is completely telegraphed. And, you know, we talk about this on the show a lot. I'm not, anti-predictability in my movies i think sometimes it's that predictability is a sort of occam's razor of the simplest answer is usually the best Mm -hmm. um you know like the the example i use all the time on the show is the final episode of breaking bad there aren't a lot of surprises in that episode it's amazing um because there's something satisfying because your brain loves patterns when you set up this pattern in your brain and then the pattern happens that's not what happens in 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 dark phoenix what happens is you go okay yeah i get it and then that exact thing happens with no moments of questioning whether or not it will yep so there's no tension in this the performances from let me see not Michael Fassbender, not James McAvoy, and in most scenes, not Nicholas Holt, are yeah. terrible. Uh, Ty Sheridan's awful in this movie. I'm not and a I, big. I, I think I'm becoming anti-Ty Sheridan. I just don't like him. Yeah, I don't like him. Maybe if I could see his eyes, I would like him more. But I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, so I'm one of these guys who doesn't really love Mike Nichols. Um, I think it's because I'm not from the South and uh, or the Midwest. Do you mean Jeff Nichols? Yep, sure do. Okay. Sure do. Cause... I know there is a Mike Nichols, but I can't yep. think of what he's been in. Uh, Mike Nichols directed uh, The Graduate, which I do love um, okay. and several other classic films. Sure. Um Jeff Nichols, yes, because uh, that was kind of Ty Sheridan's like. That oh, was his first prominent role was Mud, mud. yes. Um, and I wasn't too impressed by that movie either. Uh, I know people love it, and I know people love him in it, and they love McConaughey in it. I thought the movie was just kind of fine. Um, and ever since then, I have not seen a Ty Ty Sheridan performance I've liked. I don't like him in Ready Player One. I don't like him no. in Cyclops. Nope. No, I don't really like him in anything either. I I don't know, just something about him. I, I don't know what it is. I told you that it looks like he needs to be slapped. Um, <laughs> that's not a nice thing to say, but I don't know. I don't know how else to explain what no, I don't like about him. No, I get it, him. though, because it's like, it's... Because there are certain actors who have that, right? Like, mine is Eddie Redmayne. Oh, um, yeah. Like, I want to hit that dude. Um, I, I'm... I've never bullied anyone, but I want to bully Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> uh, but then, like, Paul Dano has been using that to his advantage his entire career, basically. Yeah, for sure. Because Paul Dano has one of the most punchable faces I've ever seen. 
Yes. But yeah, like to the point where great. at the end of there will be blood. I'm like cheering as he's getting bludgeoned <laughs> with a bowling yeah. pin. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he's he's I love I will watch almost anything with Paul Dano in it though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, Ty Sheridan is like the opposite of that. He's got this. He's got a Miles Teller vibe about him, but like <laughs> I I don't like that dude either. Maybe it's something about this generation of of actors that I don't like. I'm not the hugest Jennifer Lawrence fan in the world, especially after this movie. But like, I I liked her in Winter's Bone. I think that was about it. And that's the one she won the Oscar for. She's been fine in everything else, but I haven't like, people call her like the best actress of her generation. And I don't get that at all. No, uh, not when like Saoirse Ronan is in her generation or, sure. you know, I wouldn't. Yeah. I like I like her okay. I like uh Silver Linings Playbook and stuff like that, but um the Hunger Games movies are okay. But yeah, she's she's pretty terrible in this. Yeah, she's so bad. And I there's there's two things at play in her performance specifically, which are one, my contract's up, when can I leave? Two, I'm only in a third of the script. So yeah let me me make let me do my seven days of shooting on this and let me go about my business please yeah and then like purposely like what she's in the blue makeup maybe in two scenes to where you're like okay they did that on the same day because she's like i'll get in this makeup one damn time (laughs) yep um so that brings to mind uh, another thing about this movie which is the timeline, and I, I don't even want to talk about in the larger X-Men continuity just yet, but we will, because that's broken. Yeah. Um, the timeline of just these first-class movies is insane, because it takes place over 30 years, and everyone looks exactly the same. Yes, except for, except for McAvoy, because he got bald. Yep, but they did not age anyone up 30 nope. years. There is a line that Jennifer Lawrence says to Nicholas Holt where she's they're they're looking at Cyclops and Jean at a party and Nicholas Holt says, "Remember when we used to throw parties like that?" and Jennifer Lawrence is like, "Yeah, we're the last we're the last members of the first class." And I was like, Hasn't it been like 20 years since the first class? Like, why do you look like you're my age? And then I learned that it's been 30 years since the first class. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Bay of uh, Cuban, the Cuban Missile Crisis was the first one. So, yep, that's 62. Is that right? Yep. And this takes place in 1992. Yep. And so we see we see Eric Lyncher in the Holocaust, right, in 1941. Uh-huh. So he's supposed to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 63 to 65 years old <laughs> in this uh-huh. film. And he is, I don't know, picture Michael Fassbender from any other movie you've ever seen Michael Fassbender <laughs> in. And he, you know, yeah. what is Mike? What is he? Maybe 45, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know how old he is. And then it's the same, like Raven and Hank should be in their 40s. Yeah. Because they were presumably teenagers when they and, were in the first class. 
And Nicholas Holt is, I just looked that up, he's 30, and he doesn't look a day over 30 at all in this movie. Yeah, I'm older than him. You know, like, I I, I really didn't understand that. I was like, you didn't even try to age them up, but you're going to make them sound like they're these, you know, the old guard yeah. of this. And at the end, Professor X freaking retires. Yeah. And I was like, okay, but you look like you're like 39 at best. Yeah. Like, yeah, that didn't make any sense. I, yeah. So, I mean, I think with Mystique and with Beast, given that the nature of their powers are, you know, visual or, you know, I mean, you could have, there could have been a line of dialogue <laughs> or something to throw that off. I mean, I can, I, I don't know, you know, maybe she just looks young, but. I don't know. Mike Michael Fassbender, I just looked it up. He's three years older than me. So he's 42. And he doesn't look a day older than 42 in this movie. And he's playing somebody that's 65. Yeah. Well, and presumably he's near the same age as Xavier. And McAvoy is 40. And he looks 40. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Man. That really upset me. To begin with. Like, just this idea that these people have been doing this for 40 years and they look exactly like they did seven years ago when they started making these things. Um, but also what is the larger context of this first class universe? Because they have been playing fast and loose with it for a while now. And well, it's, it's, it's really confusing. It's so, so Days of Future Past basically connected it with X-Men 2. Mm-hmm. Base, it, Days of Future Past basically made it so that X-Men 3 never happened. Right. But when Hawkeye, or not Hawkeye, when Wolverine wakes up in X, or at the end of Days of Future Past, he's at Xavier's school with Jean Grey in the mid-2000s, Mm-hmm. Who is plenty still alive and looking like Famke Johnson, Famke Jansen, or however you say her name? Yep. And Cyclops is there, uh, presumably. I mean, at that point in the timeline, Mystique was not dead. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Rogue, Charles Rogue, Ex- is there. Rogue is there. Charles Xavier is not retired, which you can unretire, but. Uh, Eric Lyncher has aged about 60 years into <laughs> Ian McKellen. And so, yeah, it, uh, like you can say it's a new timeline, obviously through days of future past, but they made the point to connect days of future past timeline to X-Men two. Yeah. And so but, they can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. But then the other two movies just don't ever acknowledge that like apocalypse completely ignores the fact that they did that. And yeah. so does this one. Um, and also the post credit scene of apocalypse sets up like Mr. Sinister as a potential villain. But for some reason they detoured and did dark Phoenix. Like, I don't understand what the point is of setting up a new big bad one of the most popular in X-Men history, one that fans have been clamoring for at the end of Apocalypse to then go in the very next movie, just be like, ah, don't worry about him. Yeah. 
And also, I've just remembered um, a lot of X-Men 2 is about them meeting and getting to know Nightcrawler, who's just part of the X-Men in the 90s, apparently now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I liked Nightcrawler in this. I thought he oh, was Oh, I good. did too. Yes. He was good. I don't... Who... Do, do you know who played him? I have no idea. Me Let neither. Me Somebody good. Yep. And I do like What's-His-Name as... Uh, Quicksilver as well. I oh think, yeah, I think they like they kind of ended up doing the same thing with him in all three movies that he was in. Yeah, which kind of got annoying, but that's not his fault. Yeah, it was so cool the first time he did that in Days of Future Past, though. Yes. Uh no, Nightcrawler I thought was the best. I wish they would have done more of the X two thing and leaned a little in more into his faith. Um. Yes, that was great. That's just one of the most interesting parts of Nightcrawler. Um, it's Cody Smith McPhee, who is the creepy little really? kid in Let Me In. Really? Yeah. All right. Good job, X-Men movies, for and finding former child actors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, he was great. And his, the way they used his powers was really good, mm-hmm. uh, which leads me into this, which is, this is some of the worst, and I'm using this broadly action sequences in superhero movie history. They're terrible. Um, There's an entire action sequence that is just Gene and Magneto seeing who can raise their hands the hardest. (laughs) Actually, that happens twice, I believe. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> yep the first one is with at the at the magneto compound um and he uh he's trying to she's trying to destroy a helicopter and he's trying to prevent a helicopter a military helicopter from being destroyed so it starts with gene raising her hand to kill someone with the helicopter and then eric raises his hand and then Jean raises her second hand and then Eric raises his second hand. Yeah. But he wins because he screamed and she didn't. Yes. He screamed, I can't hold this forever. And they were able to leave. Yep. Yep. And that was what constituted an action beat in this movie. I was like, are you serious? Yeah. Uh, and that's to say nothing of the fact that Gene, you know, Professor X had limited Gene's powers because she couldn't control herself. But now, now all of a sudden she has this pinpoint control over, you know, her powers exponentially, like expanding mm-hmm. in less than a day. I'm fine with that because she had the power of the Phoenix Force to go up against it. But to just arbitrarily make Magneto stronger for no real reason other than that. They in the needed script, him to. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't make sense. Like she should have won that based sure. on how powerful we've been led to believe. I'm OK with the rapid, uh, you know, uh, expansion of her power. It's just that it was arb- completely arbitrary. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm fine with a rapid expansion. I'm not fine with the rapid ability to control it. Mm-hmm. Like in that mm-hmm. you know, the whole reason she's running is because she can't control it. But yet, when it comes to the battle sequences, she can she can do exactly what she wants to do. Yep. In real time. Yep. 
so from the compound, Eric and Hank decide it that Jean gotta go. She's gotta die. Um, meanwhile, oh yeah, Jessica Chastain's in this movie. We haven't even talked about that yet. Yeah. Uh, that is Jessica Chastain, right? It is. Okay. It is. Okay. Just wanted to make sure it wasn't Bryce Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh <laughs> No, the one that can act well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like Bryce Dallas Howard, all right. But <laughs> I love Jessica Chastain. Um, so my wife and I were split on this one because I was very unimpressed with her in this movie. And Kristen said she liked her a lot. I wouldn't say I was unimpressed with her. She just, I mean, why, why would you have one of her... I would call her one of her generation's best actresses Mm -hmm. to be in that role of something that is like, you know, not show does not show any emotion or anything at all. Like you could have gotten anybody to do that role. Why you get my hopes up when you cast Jessica Chastain. So I guess I wouldn't say I was disappointed in her, but it just didn't make sense to me that she was who they cast to do it. Yeah. So she's like technically the villain, I guess. Because she's one of the alien members of the alien race who wants to take the Phoenix Force out of Gene. But they want to do it so they can conquer the Earth. Um, yes. For reasons that are a mystery to me. Um, I think they said that the Phoenix power destroyed their planet. So they need a new planet. So they're trying to like Man of Steel, like Zod. They're trying to Zod our planet. Okay. Yes. Okay. That makes more sense. So that's kind of the final showdown is there. So they get captured by the MCU. I don't know if you noticed this. Uh Uh-uh. So they get captured by something called the mutant control unit. Oh, gosh. And there are several shots in the movie of them walking past the captured X-Men with big badges on their military uniforms that say MCU. Oh um, my gosh. You just made me hate this more. Anyway, continue. Is one of it, that's like but it's it's played serious. Um it's it's not like drawn attention to, but it's like the worst possible version of the it's HBO it's Showtime gag from Arrested Development season 3. Yeah. Mhm. Where, like, they weren't sure if the show was going to go to HBO or Showtime, maybe, for a fourth season. And so they introduced, yeah. like, the home, was it the home, home buyers organization? organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, they would keep saying, like, oh, we're going to be, you know, part of HBO. Uh, but it was hilarious on that. Yes. And it was the worst in this. That's terrible. Yeah, I, I had heard about that. And that's what made me go see the movie. <laughs> Because I was like, no, it was it was the Michael Buffer is in Dumbo. Yeah, like how we because I told you that because I told you that you were like, I got I don't believe you. That's why I went to see it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I went to see Dark Phoenix. Like, that's what I, I mean, I had to for the show, but that's what finally got me out of like my house to see it was. I was just like. I I gotta see that. There's no way. But what I wasn't expecting was the laziest Christ allegory. Because what happens is the MCU captures all of them. 
And then the aliens start attacking them. And they learn that they can defeat the aliens with either mutant powers or 50 cows. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um... So eventually it gets to the point where the military realizes that they need to unleash the Phoenix and and yeah. let let Gene use the power of the Phoenix Force against these aliens to take them out. Mm-hmm. But the way they have her chained up is in cruciform. Yes. And the way she ends up beating the aliens is she sacrifices herself to save humanity. Yeah. And at the end, we see the phoenix in the sky because Jean is resurrecting. Yes. And I was like, ah, man, really? (laughs) That was bad. It was bad. And it was all in an action sequence that while obviously there's more going on than people just lifting their hands, mm-hmm. there's just totally no sense. It's on a train in the dark, no sense of place and who is where. And I it would just, just tear it. We'll just continue the, continue the trend of terrible action sequences. And it was bad, but. There were some of the most gruesome PG-13 kills I think I've seen in a minute in this movie. Yeah. Uh, With Magneto just like stabbing dudes in the neck all over the place and like breaking necks. And then Nightcrawler just like whipping his tail around people and like just eviscerating them. them. Yeah. And stabbing them through the neck and all this. stuff. That's why Magneto and, and, and Nightcrawler come out looking kind of the best. Yeah. Because their action sequences are actually pretty cool. And I also found it kind of disturbing, like when they would just have machine guns going off into these aliens' faces, and mm-hmm. just whole being—I mean, they weren't dying; they were being riddled with holes and then being fine. But it was—it was hard to watch. It was disturbing. Yeah, I know what yeah. you mean about PG-13. It was—it was definitely disturbing for a PG-13 rated movie. Yep. Um. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, that's that's the movie. Is and then. Uh, Professor X retires and gives the school to Beast. Um, Names it after Gene. Yep. And uh, has a picture of Raven on his desk that was clearly taken by the set photographer on the day they filmed her death in the spot where they filmed her death. (laughs) And I was like, I can't believe I'm seeing this in a real movie in 2019. They're they're the old guard of the first class, been together for 40 years, and that's the only picture of her that he has. (laughs) Uh Also, they were in a relationship. Yeah, apparently. Uh, Because they're both blue. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's something else dumb. that. Oh, um, this goes back to my point about what the hell age are these people because uh, so they're the old guard right so they're presumably in their 40s approaching their 50s but also at the beginning of the movie he xavier rescues gene at the age of eight and the movie takes place in 1992 so she's like 25 26 and still a student 
wasn't that like 1981? Wasn't that what it said? When he rescued her? No, it was 1975. Oh, it, it was. Well, it was 1975 was the accident. Oh, OK. Yeah. So that's 17 years. Yeah, I wouldn't say she was five, but I guess she was six. Or I mean, eight, but I guess she was six. But still, she that's... has a line where she says, "You rescued me when I was eight years old." Oh, okay. Well, because then yeah. I started crunching the numbers. Because <laughs> it was weird to me that they were students, but they were on the X Men. Because yeah. they're at the they're at the party with the students. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I was like, wait a minute, like, aren't they not students anymore? Aren't they just part of the X-Men, like just living in the house, kind of like RAs? Yeah, because uh, that's when that's when Mystique and Beast call that out. Like, mm -hmm. oh, we used to do those parties that these 25 year old kids are currently at. Yep. With 13 year olds and stuff like. What? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I, I didn't like, do a lot of partying with. 13 year olds when I was 25. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I volunteered with my church youth group, but that's about as far as it went. Yep, same, same. Uh, yeah, so uh, this movie's it's a mess, man. Like, yeah, well, here's other, I guess I have two questions. Number one, I, I think we talked about this a little bit when I saw Aladdin, I texted you a few questions like, how far into. Like filming that movie, do you think Guy Ritchie realized that Jafar sucked, and mm. did you know did he had to make an adjustments then? So like when you were talking about this supposedly needing to be Gene's story, but it was mostly about definitely um, Professor X and and Magneto. You know, do you, do you think that there's a point where was it Simon Kinberg mm -hmm. <laughs> realized? Oh, Sophie Turner can't can't pull off this movie the scene where mystique dies is some of the worst acting i've seen in a blockbuster movie i mean it is terrible <laughs> she's so just bad. yelling and it's it's awful i i i really liked sophie turner and i'm a big i was a game of thrones guy mm -hmm. um but in that movie she's very or in that show she's very stoic and doesn't show a lot of emotion um, and this one where she needed to, she just couldn't. So I, so I wonder if like all these reshoots and stuff you hear about were, oh, well, our star of this movie sucks, maybe, and we got to fill in some gaps around her. So that was one thing I thought of. And then the other thing I thought of is, how do you let the guy who was in charge of writing the train wreck that was the first time they tried to do the Dark Phoenix mm -hmm. saga, write and direct the second attempt? I just don't get that at all dude i have no idea well he had a hand in that josh trank fantastic four as well oh and that's so bad uh i didn't even bother seeing that one um i don't understand how simon kimber gets work still i don't know yeah. if he's got dirt on people or what but i have no like that movie that fantastic four movie ruined josh trank's career yeah and he had i mean he had done some pretty good stuff yeah, you did Chronicle, or which Chronicle. was good, which I like. But like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he keeps getting work, especially since this is his first movie as a director. Um, I don't know how that he was able to finagle his way into that. You just, I guess, I just wonder, like, how you know. So this is his first movie as a director, and most of his mm -hmm. other work on the in the universe is as a producer. So how much of his influence is? 
you know, because he does have some pretty good movies here in his filmography. I mean, uh, the Cinderella remake, The Martian. Oh, yeah. Logan, Murder on the Orient Express, you know. Um, so, I mean, I guess, I don't know. It, it's just, it, it boggles the mind that they would let the guy who wrote X3 <sighs> write any other X-Men movies. Right. But well, it it it, it kind of reminds me of the um uh oh what's David Goyer thing. Yeah. We're like that dude helped write The Dark Knight, which is a script that I love. Mhm. But every movie I've seen that David Goyer has written himself, I hate. <laughs> uh, I well, I I guess I wouldn't go so far as to say I hate Man of Steel. I don't like it that much, though. Um, it has some real structural issues with me. Sure. Um, most of my criticisms of that movie are not related to what most people have a problem with, which is like Superman destroying everything and like killing Zod at the end. Yeah. It's mainly that. It's front loaded with all this like dialogue and then back loaded with all this action. Um, I always say that movie feels like two unshuffled decks of cards. Sure. Uh, yeah. So there's like no action for like the first half and then the back half is nothing but and it's just exhausting. Um, so that's my main issue with that movie. But I also don't like a lot of the on the nose Christ stuff in that script either. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the David, it, it feels like David Goyer all over again to me, except as far as I can tell, Simon Kinberg is not an a-hole and uh, David Goyer is. Yeah, but that's besides the point. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. So now that we have this wrapped up uh, not so neatly, um, what do you think the move is for? For Disney. Like, do you do you think they just jump right into their own X-Men universe or do they do they put them on the back burner and kind of introduce Fantastic Four first and then maybe later down the road bring in X-Men? You know, I'm not sure you would. I would really think that the next time there's an Avengers movie, it's going to be with a lot of X-Men. Right. But it feels like that's quite a ways down the road i don't i mean i guess my wish is to just start seeing them peppered through the universe maybe with in credit stuff here and there yeah um but let's you know i mean unless they've had people i mean this merger's been going on for what two years now so you know if they've had people working on stuff i don't want them to just hurriedly put something out because people love the x-men because you know i think uh brian brian singer has shown that you know, you can tell some really good stories, really compelling stories, really pertinent and important stories to our current climate through the X-Men. Yeah. And so I'd hate to see what's happened with Apocalypse and what's happened with Dark Phoenix. Uh, Dark Phoenix did try to have some social relevance here and there. But um, but anyway, I'd hate to see that happen and like it just become just something that just a bunch of superheroes with you know the kids mashing action figures together i I really Mm. like it when it's thoughtful and that sort of thing so i'm excited for what disney can do but i just hope they take their time with it and they seem to be willing to do that so 
Yeah, I think everyone needs a break from the X-Men. Um, just because it's been 20 years of these movies, man. Like, they are the... That is the movie... I know Spider-Man 1 gets all the credit, but that's the movie that kicked off this. Like, yeah, there is no sure. MCU without X-Men 1. Like, X-Men 1 comes out in 99 and changes the game. I remember going to see that, and it blew my little mind. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just like, this is what a superhero movie can be? Like... yeah. Because every other clip from a superhero movie, I had no interest in superheroes at all until I saw this X-Men. Because every time I saw anything superhero related that was live action, it looked like me playing pretend with my friends, except they had the costumes. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, I was 18 and I remember just thinking, I mean, there, there were some decent superhero movies before. I mean, Christopher Reeve's Superman is pretty good. Yeah. I love the two Tim Burton Batmans, yeah. stuff like that. But, you know, those were, I don't know. This was the first time I went and watched a movie and thought, oh, like they can make a movie, like a comic book come to life on the screen. Yes. And without it being a giant train wreck. And yeah, that was definitely X-Men uh, was the first time I believed that could happen. And then then Raimi kind of upped the game, I believe, uh, in the next year. Uh, two years. Two, two years later. 2001 no two, okay. 2002 is Three when it years. came out it came oh, okay. out may 2002 because there was the 9-11 trailer i don't know if you remember that oh, that's right yep yep um, yep so may of 2002 is when it came out mm-hmm. um but yeah the those first three years it was uh it was it was x-men and x-men i think paved the way a little bit for sam raimi for um, sure to do that because like brian singer wasn't really known as an action director either he had done like apt pupil and usual suspects and i think that was it yeah um so that's kind of the first the first time you see a guy like that then being trusted with something you know like the whole do a couple of you had a couple of small movies that did well okay we'll give you Mm -hmm. some money to do something big um you know you saw it later with like nolan and batman obviously and then uh, the MCU has continued to do it with sort of up and coming directors that are known yeah. for their more smaller stuff. So yeah, that was, it was big. Yeah, it was, I remember, and I remember that was like the talk the next Monday, like everyone saw that movie that weekend. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it was like, it was a game changer for better or for worse. I don't know how it holds up. I remember really liking it when I was younger. Um, I watched it last week and I really, I really, really enjoyed it still. I was yeah. surprised. I I wasn't, I was just like, I'm going to watch these movies just because I'm watching this new one. So I watched X1, 2, and then all of the first class ones. Mm-hmm. And I was not at all excited about it. But after I got done, uh, I was pleasantly surprised with how much I really still enjoyed it. That's good. Um yeah, I, I tend to have unpopular X-Men opinions, is what I've learned. Yeah, um, you you dislike the two that everybody loves. Yeah, yeah, I don't like X2, and I don't like Days of Future Past, uh, and I like Apocalypse. Okay, yeah, see, Apocalypse is terrible, so you're <laughs> wrong on that one. And I really, th- I think that if I was making just like a top ten list of superhero movies, X2 and Days of Future Past would be on my short list. Really? I just think they're X2 for sure is to me is great. Um, I don't know if it'd make that top 10 because I am a pretty big MCU uh, 
nerd and apologist. Um, but I really, really like it. And I really think Days of Future Past is great too. Now, does is Day of Future Past negate does does it does it get a little bit worse as Apocalypse <laughs> and Dark Phoenix come out and you realize oh that timeline they set up is absolute BS. I don't know, maybe. Um, yeah, I I just remember thinking X2 was kind of boring. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe I, I remember the last time I watched it was maybe six years ago. I was visiting the girl I was dating at the time. And she had to study because she was in med school. Uh, so that's all she did. And in my hotel room, it was on HBO. So I just watched that while she studied (laughs) and I was more interested in asking her questions and helping her study than really trying to watch the movie. Okay. Um, But, and then days of future past, I just remember thinking there were so many cool heroes in it that didn't get the focus and I'm getting focused on these same group of people that I've seen before. Um, Cause there's that cool, the cool one with the portals. Yeah, I don't even know what his name is. Yeah. Her name. Her whoever name. It is. She, I, I always have to look her up, but she's so cool. And she's only in that movie. We like, I, and she only gets like one scene to really show that off. And I was like, that's so dope. That's such a cool mutant power. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I guess last thing. And Bishop. Powers... Like, I always, as a guy who watched the cartoon as mm-hmm. a kid, like I always, oh, where's Bishop, you know? And Bishop mm-hmm. is in Days of Future Past, but like, Barely. And that's yeah. the only bishop we get to see in the whole universe. Yeah. Uh, I, the mutant powers in this movie were terrible. Agreed. They, that dude had super dreads. Yeah, like dreads that lived. I, I don't... Yeah. Like, and then the chick cut... Like, she cut it off, and I was like, so is that just it? Is he like Samson and now he has no power? Yeah, like she didn't cut all of them, but I was like, presumably if you just gave this guy a buzz cut, he wouldn't have any mutant powers. And then they'd be able to blind him and use him as a slave until he died. See, there you go. More on the nose biblical allegory. Yes, there it is. Um, Yeah, I don't really have too much else to say about Dark Phoenix. Do you? I don't. I don't either. Don't go... Don't go see it, but I, it appears that you didn't. So, yep, thirty-three million dollar opening weekend. Probably yeah. gonna stop there. Uh, so, next n- new question: Do you think this Men in Black thing is gonna make any money? I don't know. I'm gonna go see it. I don't know so if that, I will. It'll get my. I don't know. Depending on what theater, I'm gonna get my twelve bucks. <laughs> yeah, I. I don't know. I. Kind of want to see it, but only because Kumail Nanjiani's in it. Yeah, I really like Tessa Thompson. I think that Chris Hemsworth is at his best when he's being funny. Me too. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I've been talking to you about it all day. I watched uh, Men in Black one, two, and three today, and was pleasantly surprised with how much I still enjoyed them. So, yeah, I'll go see it. I don't know. It, yeah. it, it, it seems like it's old. You know the. Let me see. And Men in Black 2 came out in 02, I believe. Mm-hmm. And Men in Black 3 was 2009. Mm-hmm. 
So I I don't know how well that one did. But, you know, we're talking 10 years later, so yeah. your movie going your number one demographic, maybe maybe half of them even know that Men in Black was a thing and they didn't grow up in a world where you had to go to every Will Smith movie, you know, the weekend it opened. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if if it had merged with the 21 Jump Street universe like they said they were going to, mm-hmm. I would be bringing all of my friends and oh. I would be super stoked about it. Same. But as it is, I'll see it. Whatever. Yeah, if they did that 22 Jump Street thing and they had Lord and Miller doing it, uh, all in. All 100%. in all yep. day. Uh, this version, I, I see, I think, I'm, in the, I'm at this weird impasse where I think that we can still be telling men in black stories. I think it's a cool universe. I think it's got a lot of legs um, to tell cool stories in a sort of James Bondy sci-fi mm-hmm. vein. Maybe it's just my hangups with F. Gary Gray. I wasn't super into the Fate of the Furious or Straight Out of Compton. Um, I do like the Italian job. I do like Friday, but it—I don't know. I, I haven't been impressed with the last couple of things I've seen from him. So maybe that has something to do with it. And I haven't—I haven't gone like I'm not a guy who goes out of my way to not see trailers, but I haven't seen any for Men in Black. I just oh, okay. when people post them online, I just—I don't know. I'm just like, yeah, I'll probably see it. I don't need to watch it or whatever. So. You know, I, I I guess I'm reluctant at this point to even watch it if in case maybe I would get less enthused about it. But yeah. I don't know. To me, Tommy Lee Jones is what makes those movies, not necessarily even Will Smith. So without yeah. him there, I don't know. I mean, Men in Black 3 worked because uh, Josh Brolin is also awesome. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, and you have in this one, I, I don't know if you even know this, you have Emma Thompson and Liam Neeson in it, but I don't know how much they're going to be in it. Oh, I did not know about Liam Neeson. Okay. Yep. So Emma Thompson took uh, Zed's place, I guess, in Men in Black 3. Mm-hmm. So that's the connection there, I suppose. Yeah. That's our connection to the past. I guess that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. But, yeah, so. I'll see it. I'll okay. I'll tell you how it is. Yeah. So uh, thanks, Jeremy, for coming in uh, at short notice as well. Sure. Um, it was just, it was about a day. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we probably won't be covering Men in Black Three. I just, I'm, I've been fascinated by the way the box office has been working this year because, yeah, for sure, of how many Disney movies there are, and they seem to be eating up all the uh, revenue. Um, we will be back. I don't know which one of these things is happening first, but June is nothing but guests. Um, I don't know how many of these Mike is going to be here for. So either the next episode you're going to hear is either Toy Story 4 with Nick Crown or uh, Bob Dylan, The Rolling Roadshow Review with Reed Lackey. Um, That is a total vanity episode. I probably won't number it. I'll probably just put it as a bonus episode because I don't think anyone's going to listen to it because it's uh, you should because Reed is one of the most insightful people I've ever known. but it is going to be us just talking about how much we love Bob Dylan uh, uh, for a Netflix documentary um, about a very specific period of Bob Dylan's career, which is the Rolling Roadshow Review tour from the 70s. Uh, Martin Scorsese made the movie, if that makes piques your interest at all. 
Um, but yeah, it's a total vanity episode just because I want to talk to Reed about Bob Dylan. That's it. So, uh, yeah, that'll be out this month if you want to listen to it. And then, uh, Nick Crown, Toy Story 4, uh, in a couple weeks, as well as, uh, the week after that, um, Patrick Hicks, AKA Patch from Feel and Film for the movie Yesterday, which, uh, comes out like two weeks before I see Paul McCartney live. So I'm sure... I will cry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jeremy, do you have anything you want to plug? Nope. Not at all. all right. Okay. All right. Buy Cinephile. It looks like fun. Yeah. Buy Cinephile. Uh, you follow me on Twitter at MJSmith891. Tweet dumb stuff most of the day. Spent a lot of, spent a lot of today tweeting the word Gooigi because Nintendo made it a word. So. What's that? Uh, so in the new Luigi's Mansion game, which is coming out, there is a jelly, there is a jelly version of Luigi called Gooigi because he's made of goo. Oh, yep. Okay. Yep. It's just a super gross word, and I like tweeting at people. They do too much stuff with that. I mean, like Waluigi. I don't even. I just need to think of some new names. <laughs> We get it. If it's the evil version of Luigi, it doesn't have to have a weird name that rhymes with Luigi. <laughs> it doesn't even rhyme. They just added two letters to the front. Yeah. Because, but here's the thing: is that's Luigi's whole name, but Evil Mario is Wario. Yeah. Which actually sounds not, like something. It's not Wa Mario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. That was the extent of the video game podcast we now do. <laughs> um, all right. Until next time, we're the bad guys. Uh, I almost hung up on Jeremy. I need to stop recording.